please be seated. You may call me old-fashioned for saying this, uh, but I am a big believer in the statement and sentiment that character counts. Character counts, right? right? Thank you. Thank you over there. Very vocal affirmation. I appreciate that. Now, we recognize that maybe not in the realms of politics and Hollywood does character count, but where real life is lived, where ordinary is not a curse word, and where the vast majority of people live, work, and play, character counts. Jesus, essentially in Matthew chapter 23, in his uh, bringing the hammer down on the Pharisees, his problem was that their character wasn't what it ought to have been. Their, their character, who they were, was fake, lived out in falseness. And so Jesus brings down the hammer on the Pharisees and their hypocrisy, pointing out that character does indeed count. Who we are leads to how we live, and who we really are will always be found out. Character counts in everyday life. Character counts within the closest relationships we have. Character counts in our work and in our play, and character counts in our churches. Character counts for gospel witness. Our sermon text for today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And here, St. Paul describes his character as a gospel witness, as a preacher among the people of Thessalonica, and he describes his character as a church planter. Now, Paul declares what was not in his character, and he declares what was in his character, and in this... Paul sets an example of the character that all believers should exhibit as, they, as all believers in Jesus are called to be gospel witnesses. And so this morning, as we look at these 13 verses, let's think together as we look at St. Paul's example, let's think about how it is possible to have this kind of character and then make some specific application to ourselves. So Paul's character and, and what to do and what not to do is basically how he sets out his argument. He's got two lists of character traits, those that we ought to avoid and those we ought to have. Uh, really, essentially, we'll look a little bit in detail, but essentially, those, those character traits that fall under the do-not-do list are those that are really involved with self-seeking, with selfish ambition, with putting yourself as the center of your life. And those character traits that fall into that list of things which we ought to exhibit as gospel witness are, are those character traits that point towards God as God-seeking and are humble and sharing as other-centered. So let's look, and starting with verse 3, what are these things that are self-seeking and people-pleasing which we ought not have in our lives as gospel witnesses? The first thing that Paul tells us is that, that they did not come, Silas and Timothy and Paul, they, they did not come into Thessalonica and preach lies. They didn't deceive. Deception is, uh, is a bad character trait for a gospel witness. It's a pretty bad character trait for anybody to be a deceiver, to be a liar. But it is essentially a self-seeking character trait because when you deceive someone, you're just trying to get over on them, trying to get your way, right? In the Gospel Project, we've been looking at the life of Jacob the last few weeks. The guy's name literally means something like deceiver or heel grasper, and his life is not one that we would encourage others to have. A liar, a traitor, a thief, because he wanted 
for himself. So Paul says, don't be a deceiver. Don't be self-seeking in this way. And he goes on to say that when we speak, gospel witnesses are not to seek to please men. We never came with words of flattery, in verse 5, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. What is flattery? Flattery, oftentimes, we think is, you know, overly complimentary, you know, you know saying, oh, yeah, that's just the, the most wonderful, uh, wonderful cake you've ever, ever, anyone in the entire world has ever baked. That is just delicious and amazing, and my taste buds will never be the same for having encountered this slice of glorious heaven. That is flattery. But, but fundamentally, flattery is about changing the message to meet uh, or fit with popular opinion. Right? That's what flattery is, to, to tell a baker that this is the most wonderful cake in all of the world that you've ever encountered, and that your taste buds will never be the same, is to, is to fit your message to their opinion, because their opinion probably is pretty high of their cake. Maybe. So flattery is ultimately about the acceptance and glory of the messenger. You want to be well thought of. And so you say really, really over-the-top flattering things. Greed is, a, is another one of these characteristics of a self-seeker. Uh, greed, the desire for personal gain at the expense of others. It's the prideful seeking of, of things that others may not have or cannot have because you do have. If that's a character trait for a gospel witness, it's a very poor witness indeed. Or the, seeking, uh, the prideful seeking of glory, receiving fame and recognition for their, their goodness. Or if they're words, that, that's what Jesus was talking about with the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. They were pridefully seeking glory. They wanted to be well thought of by, by everyone around them. So they went out of their way to show themselves to be extra super pious. While on the inside, Jesus later says in a different context, they are nothing more than tombs, a whitewashed tomb. These are self-seeking and self-interested characteristics, these, these traits. And in the end, we all know this. True character will see the light of day. True character will be found out. And when true character is found out, what is said doesn't really matter. Actions so often speak louder than words. And, and when a gospel witness consistently displays a character that is self-seeking and self-interested, that is greedy, that is flattering, deceitful, and glory-hounding, a non-believing world will simply say, Aha! I knew it! And close their ears. This is what Paul was not. These are traits gospel witnesses simply cannot afford to have. And rather than being self-seeking, rather than having a character full of selfish interest, St. Paul offers the God-centered, other-seeking character traits. Before anything else, he recognizes that he is called by God, tested and approved by God, entrusted with God's message of Jesus Christ, that he was made bold by God. And St. Paul writes in verse 4, that his only concern was to please God. In this context, then, being called and approved, being tested, being entrusted by God necessarily means being true to the one who's called you. You cannot be true to the one who has called you and entrusted you if you're self-seeking. Gospel witness must be God-centered, God-seeking. 
Gospel witness must necessarily be true, honest, and faithful to the message that God has given. We do well to remember who God is. St. Paul has pointed out that God is the one who tests our hearts. And because God is the one who tests our hearts, God knows not just what goes on on the outside, He knows our interior life as well. God knows better than anyone else what our actual motivations are. And if our motivations are to please people, God will know. And if our motivations are deceitful, God will know before anyone else does. And if our motivations are greedy, God will know before anyone else does. If, if our motivations are to have glory in the eyes of the world, God will know before anyone else does. And so to please God, we must have motivation given by God. We must seek God and proclaim His gospel with honesty, with integrity, with faithfulness. It would be stupid on steroids for Paul to change the message of the gospel just to please people. And it would be the epitome of foolishness for us to change any aspect of the gospel message because God gave it and because God knows us and because God wants to see the gospel proclaimed. We must consistently then, as gospel witness, please God, call sin, sin, offer forgiveness, grace, and life in Jesus Christ, talk about the indwelling, infilling of the Holy Spirit that is absolutely necessary for life in Him. These things are not to be monkeyed with. You can't just water it down to make other people happy because that's not God-pleasing. Character counts. And the chief character trait of a gospel witness is to be concerned with pleasing God by being faithful to the gospel message in proclamation and in life. But the other side of this character that, that is pleasing to God is a character that is other-seeking. I'm going to read all of verses 7 through 12 here and just, just listen to how many times Paul's emphasis is on the, those around him, the, the other. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You notice how other-centered Paul's gospel witness character is. It considers the needs of the other first, not just spiritual needs, but also physical, emotional, and physical needs. I already said physical needs as well. In this, Paul describes this God-pleasing, other-seeking character that is gentle, affectionate, sharing, hardworking, and encouraging. This is born out of a deep concern for the total well-being of the other, the, the person encountered. It is born out of a deep concern for the one receiving gospel witness. And, and look at the way he describes it, gentle like a nursing mom. I've never in my life seen a nursing mom be harsh and hard and cruel. Never in my life have I seen that. 
There's an affection. He, he says, we were affectionately desirous of you. He loved the Thessalonians. He wanted them to know the gospel, to be brought into the family of God in Jesus Christ. He wanted them to know. He wanted to know them. And so what did he do? He didn't just preach to them and go, uh, go away. He shared the gospel, and he also shared his life, his very self with them. Behavior towards the other here is, is gentle, uh, it is sharing, it's full of affection, and it is also, we see, holy and righteous and blameless with the consistency and a constancy of a, a father-like encouragement to walk, to live, to please God. When it comes to the character of a gospel witness, primary, God-pleasing. If I can say that's 1A, then 1B is other-seeking. cannot be God-pleasing if you're self-seeking. So God-pleasing and other-seeking. Can we say that is loving God and loving neighbor? That's the character of a gospel witness. Being committed to others and being part of a larger mission. I have a great deal of respect for those who serve our country and the armed forces, and I I find myself completely in awe of those within the special forces. Uh, the Navy SEALs, one of our country's elite special forces groups, requires incredibly difficult, uh, sounds to me like it's pretty brutal even, uh, training. Eric Greitens is a former Navy SEAL. He described two qualities that make for a successful SEAL. The ability to think about other people and a higher purpose. In an article from the Wall Street Journal, now Governor Greitens wrote, almost all of the men who survived the basic training possessed one common quality. Even in their great pain, faced with the test of their lives, they had the ability to step outside of their own pain, put aside their own fear, and ask, how can I help the guy next to me? They had more than the fist of courage and physical strength. They also had a heart large enough to think about others to dedicate themselves to a higher purpose. That sounds an awful lot like the character of a gospel witness St. Paul describes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. A heart geared towards a higher purpose of pleasing God and a willingness to love others in service. Gospel witness are called to think of others first, to dedicate themselves to the higher purpose of pleasing God. These are the characteristics with gentleness and uh, affectionate, uh, affectionate desire and encouragement and, and hardworking. These are the defining character marks of a gospel witness. And character counts. Now, I, I'm sure that if you're like me, you're, you're hearing this or you're reading this and you're thinking, holy smokes, this is a really high calling. How is this possible? I guess maybe it is me uh, is thinking that. That makes me feel so good about myself right now <laughs> to know that I am the only one wondering. It's a really high calling to be this way, to have this character that God desires for us. It's a really high standard uh, that St. Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, sets out for gospel witnesses. How is it possible to be like this? How is it possible to be gentle among folks? How is it possible to be affectionately desirous for them, a willingness to share yourself and your life? How is it possible to continue to encourage? 
this God-centered and this other-seeking character of life is simply not natural. And that's bad news. But there's some really good news here as well. God gives the Holy Spirit to supernaturally change us. We have to remember who St. Paul was. Before St. Paul met the resurrected Jesus, before St. Paul received redemption in in the grace of Jesus, before St. Paul received the the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, St. Paul was not any of these things. Before St. Paul met Jesus and was transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, St. Paul would have been a Pharisee who probably fit the description that Jesus hammers in Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. The exact opposite of the gospel witness that Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And it is only because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the transformation the Holy Spirit brings in the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul can anywhere say, I was gentle and I was fatherly and I encouraged and I pleased God. Only there. Not in his own power or strength, but in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. You see, what has to happen for us is that our very being has to be changed. Frank Zappa once sang, you are what you is. Before we know Jesus, what we is, to use Frank Zappa's uh, incorrect grammar, is a mess, right? What we do is determined by who we are, and what we need then, in order to have the character that St. Paul calls us to have as gospel witnesses, what we need is to have what we is to be changed. And the Holy Spirit does that in the power of the gospel. What a kind God we worship and serve that he is willing to set this standard and then say, here's what you need to get there. He doesn't leave us to figure it out on our own. And I say this an awful lot. He doesn't tell us, here you go, here's the standard, and now muddle through and find your way there. Right? That's, that's like the uh, Florida State defensive coordinator saying, here's your standard, now figure it out on your own, guys. But that's pretty much what he's doing this year, isn't it? Listen, your, your team didn't give up 62 points yesterday, so it's all good. <laughs> you see, this is the absolute truth, is that we need to be who God wants us to be. We need the power of God at work in us. And the power that God gives us to work in us is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So if he can raise Jesus from the dead then I think and I believe that he can raise us who are spiritually dead to new life in Jesus Christ, changing us so that we are exactly the gospel witness with the character that this world needs. You see, the key point, I think, about this uh, gospel witness and the character of a gospel witness, the key point about it, I think, is found in verse 13. And there Paul says, when we preach the word of God, you received it for exactly what it was, the word of God which is active and at work in you. You see, the character that Paul talks about here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, one that pleases God and seeks the good of others, it gets us out of the way so that God can confront people with the gospel, so that God can get in the way. And that's exactly what has to happen. To be gospel witness means we, we live the way God wants us to live in God's power so that we can be used by God to proclaim his gospel. We need the work of the Holy Spirit, that gift that God freely gives in order to be who God desires us to be, to have the character that counts, this character of a gospel witness that St. Paul describes. Now, you know, we ask this question, what difference does it make? 
Well, you probably know me well enough by now to know that I'm going to say this makes a huge difference. This makes all the difference in the world. Remembering that the Emmanuel Church has this vision to be a church that glorifies God by blessing people with gospel ministries that they may believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior and join us in building His kingdom. We recognize that the very fundamental part of this vision is we're called to be gospel witnesses. Blessing people with gospel ministries fundamentally means entering into a relationship with people, sharing life with people, being gentle with people, encouraging with people as we speak the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to please God. It necessarily means that. And what's required for this is a God-centered, other-seeking character that will get out of the way so that Jesus can get in the way. And I have to tell you that, that I, I'm super excited about where Emmanuel is heading. I really am. I, I believe that we have a glorious past. I think we have a great present, and I think we have an amazing future that we do not have the capacity to even understand because of what God wants to do in us and through us. I just believe that. Uh, I, I believe that uh, we have a character I believe we are gentle. I believe we are loving. I believe we are willing to say the hard things to a world that doesn't want to hear the hard things as an effort to please God and actually speak for the good of people. I believe that about us. Now, we're not perfect. Clearly, we're not perfect. I look at you all every Sunday, and I know you're not. Oh, I'm sorry. I, think, <laughs> I was looking at you too, Joe. Now, <laughs> That's the, that's the glorious thing about God is that we are continually under transformation. We are continually being worked upon. We never grow out of the gospel. We only grow in it. And so as God is engaging us as gospel witnesses, he is continuing to refine our character. It's just what he does. And thanks be to God for that. And he uses normal people like you and like me, normal people who respond to his call, who are entrusted with his gospel, normal people like you and me that he infuses with the power of the Holy Spirit to transform their characters, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to love people and speak the truth. Praise be to God that he does that, because that's how God changes his world. So we're settled here. We're, it's a privilege for us to be a part of, of God's unstoppable plan. We, we uh, ensure that in the power of the Holy Spirit, we live conscious, uh, consciously of Jesus, that we live as a, in a way to please God with true and faithful gospel witness, that we love our neighbors as ourselves with gentleness, affection, life-sharing, with holiness and encouragement, to live a life empowered by the ongoing transformation of the Holy Spirit. That's the character that counts. So be encouraged this morning, be challenged this morning, know that God isn't done with you or me or us yet. Our character counts for gospel witness, and God will do everything that needs to be done as we trust Him and diligently pursue Him so that our character is in line with who He wants us to be. Not for our glory, but for His, not for our kingdom, but for Jesus, not so that we're exalted, but so that Jesus' name is praised. I've said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.